All right and all right. Well, praise the Lord, amen. Remember, guys, we always are to give as God has graciously and wonderfully given unto us. Make sure we give unto him. Biblical tithing, guys, you'll never, ever, ever go wrong in tithing the way that God has commanded us in his holy word, amen. Let's open our Bibles back up to Acts in chapter 13 this morning, (laughs) and we're going to read our text verse. We've already read it, but by way of context in the scripture today as we get into part three of our sermon series, The Regions Beyond. We're digging back into Paul's life. I told you a few weeks ago that I just wanted to kind of uh, get into it and get involved in Paul's uh, uh, life a little bit more and uh, continue to, to strive, if we will, and uh, get this work done. But I hope and pray that this has been a blessing to you. Uh, it is a blessing to me to look in Paul's life and, and just be encouraged by the mighty work that he has done and how it encourages us as believers. Acts 13, beginning in verse 2 through 6, the Bible says, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, uh, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, uh, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. When they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Father in heaven, we thank you, dear Lord, for all that you've done, for who and what you are. We pray now for your continual wonderful blessing in our life. I ask that you help us, give us God's grace and mercy we need to better and best serve you. Dear God, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for things said and done today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. All right, so in part three, guys, as we get into the Word here today, we're going to look at what uh, the Lord has done. We've seen thus far uh, in this sermon as the Scriptures now, as the Gospel begins to go to the regions beyond. Paul and Barnabas arrived there on the Isle of Cyprus. They preached in the synagogues of the Jews uh, there in Salamis, uh, which is on that east coast of uh, Cyprus, almost northern east coast, and then they traversed the entire isle to the southwest region into a city called Paphos, a governmental city, and we looked week one (coughs) at the deputy of the country, a man whose name is Sir Gaius Paulus. We see that Luke earmarks him as being smart. Not only that, he was superstitious, but then we find salvation that was involved. And last week, we got into point number two, we looked at the sorcerer who was Bar-Jesus. Within that sorcerer, we know that uh, he was a person. He had some type of power. The, Paul calls him a child of the devil, said he's full of all subtility. Uh, he was, you know, he was, uh, he was planned by art, nice, cunning, and crafty, just this child of the devil. He was a pervert, guys, if you will, which means to malalign, and we find his punishment. We find his punishment. And that is very important for us to understand because he was meddling with the Word of God. He was meddling with the eternal destination of a soul. And therefore, Paul cast blindness in the power of God upon him, and he went about for a season uh, having need of someone to lead him. And he got what he deserved. Amen. Uh, then the challenge that we had. Here's the challenge. There was a conflict. A man, Sir Gaius, in danger, held captive in the castle of darkness. There was a cruel keeper, this sorcerer, Bar-Jesus. But there was a conqueror 
were, if you will, in Paul. Paul was trying to scale the walls, if you will, to set this man free. And that's the imagery that I want you to take on. Because that, my friend, is how we are going to take on the ball, uh, take on what Paul has done by taking the gospel to the regions beyond. By the work that he did, which resulted in our salvation and the evangelization of our nation, beloved, because of the work that the mighty apostle Paul had did. So today, we're going to look at these two men, Saul and Barnabas. Saul and Barnabas. So faith in the work of God. Sir Gaius needed faith to be saved. He needed faith to be set free. Paul has the word of God, and Sir Gaius wanted it. The purpose of, a, of the new perverted works in the world today, whether you call it ecumenicalism, the perverted Bibles, uh, they remove the word of God. Uh, guys, the schools are, are constraining the faith that a person needs to be saved and born again, and we need to recognize that. Just like Paul recognized this, this sorcerer as a child of the devil, a pervert of the word of God, uh, someone who did not cease to impede the gospel of the work of our God today, Paul, we need to recognize of those in our community, those in our society, I don't care if it's religion, uh, traditions of man, I don't care what it is, whatever it may be today, we need to recognize it and rebuke it and stand uh, on the Word of God. Earnestly contend for the faith as Jude was instructed by God. So the first thing that I want us to see this morning within Saul and Barnabas is I want us to see the character of Saul, the character of of Saul. This is a man, guys. Uh, this man is revealed uh, in the midst of conflict. This character that he has. When the going gets tough, the old saying is, the tough get going. Paul's defense came out when someone tried to take the word of God away. When someone tried to hinder the work of God. When they tried to hinder the preaching and teaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. My soul, I'm telling you, his defense, his teeth came out. Paul has a, a reckless approach. Uh, not wild, but yes, reckless abandon. I remember our coaches used to tell us when we got on that pitch, when we got on that field, it was reckless abandon. We had a defense even in high school called the Swarm. Guys, we swarmed on people, and every one of us, all 11 of us, were trying to get our lick in the fire. We were set to the defense, if you will. So he's un, he is unyielding in principle, but consistent in practicality. Now write that down, if you will. He's unyielding in principle, but consistent in in practicality. He was a difficult man to work with. I was accused early in business that it was difficult to work with because I was a hard taskmaster, guys. I, I'm not saying I have OCD, but I have certain ways that things had to be done, and I was very strict and very uh, detail-oriented. Uh, Paul is the same way. He had a personal disregard for comfort and for suffering. Uh, and these characteristics were born out of a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8 says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss um, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He loved the truth, and the beautiful part of it, he was willing to fight for it. He was willing to fight for you. He was willing to fight for the truth. He was willing to fight for the souls of men, women, and children, guys, who uh, against anyone who was trying to lock, stock, and barrel them into the wickedness of this world. Guys, we have lost our fight today. We have become a, a, a slurpy, a, a soft society, and it's been replaced with a, with a personal regard and a fear of suffering that we don't want to get uncomfortable, that we don't want to pay the price. And the church today will, will hold hands with anyone just to avoid any type 
of conflict. The church, guys, if you will, and you're looking in our world today. And guys, I'm not saying that we should look for problems. I don't believe in all of my heart. I don't believe we're fruit inspectors. I've heard men say that, that we should be fruit inspectors. And they use the verse where it says, by their fruit you will know them. You may know them by their fruit, but it ain't your job to go sniffing out of their fruit and try to determine uh, who and what they are. You stand on the truth, and the truth will stand on itself. And you take the, uh, take the Word of God, and you stand on the biblical principles and biblical doctrine. When you stand on the truth, all of the other stuff will reveal in its own self in its own time. But we need to have a fight, my friend. We need to stand on the Word of God. And they, listen, those who don't, they'll find you soon enough. It kills me to see believers tie hands with wicked ecumenicalists. Beloved, if your little child was walking next to a busy highway, what would you do? You see, what would you do? The disciples of Bar Jesus are more dangerous than a busy street. You would get them away from that busy street. If your child was walking uh, by that busy highway and cars are just flying, flying by in disregard of that human life, what would you do? You would pull them away. You would pull them away from the danger. And I'm going to tell you this. The disciples, Bar Jesus and his teaching, they're a billion times more dangerous than that busy street. And my friend, we have them in our midst right here today. We have this religious crowd in our, right here in our village today. Yes, I know that our village is chock full of witchcraft. I know there are witches and self-proclaimed warlocks all over this area. We've seen them. We've heard them. They've tried to get through the doors. We know they're here. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you something. The danger, the greatest danger is not in the witches and the warlocks, for we know who they are. The greatest danger are these religious people, these religious ones who are believing a false doctrine, who are teaching a false doctrine, who are holding people in blindness and darkness, leading them through this world, assuming that they're going to heaven because they've done some act or some work or some creed. They're dangerous, my friend, and they should be pulled out of the busy street. So we see the character of Saul. He is set to defense or set to defend the Word of God. But I want you to see the character of Barnabas. Turn in your Bibles, guys, back to Acts chapter 4 with me. Acts chapter 4, you know, Barnabas is a beautiful soul. I know we know the end of the story. We understand what happens later on. But, but we need to see the character of Barnabas as well as we look at these two men going into the midst of the battlefield. Acts chapter 4, verse 36, the Bible says, And Joses, uh, who by the apostles were, uh, was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of, Consol- uh, a son of Consolation, a Levite he was, and of the country of Cyprus. Cyprus was his homeland. Cyprus was his homeland. Guys, he was called the son of consolation. He received abuse without constraint and frustration. He was a very patient and a very long-suffering man. So the character of Barnabas, a long-suffering man. The character of Saul, willing to stand and fight and defend the faith. But thirdly, let's look at the character of change, the character of change. Guys, conflict from the work of God demands forceful leadership which thrusts Paul forward and Barnabas backward. Okay, back in Acts chapter 13, where we are, conflict hit hard. And you know what? Paul attacked. But Barnabas did not run. He did not leave. Conflict demands forceful leadership, but it also demands good followers. Conflict produces the need in the battle and will always change everything. Look at verse 13 with me in Acts chapter 13. The Bible says here, now when, when Paul... And his company, loose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departing from returned to Jerusalem. We'll cover that here in just a little bit. Fourteen years into the work, Paul was now established where God wanted him. 
14 years into salvation, 14 years uh, in suffering loss, 14 years in Paul cutting his teeth and preparing for this very moment right here. He was now where God had established him to be. Paul assumed a submissive role until God put him in his place, until God put him where he wanted him to be. The situation between the conflict of control and Sargias' life changed everything. I'll, I'll give you some verses here. Look in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 27, just real quick. Notice this. Uh, but Barnabas took him and brought him uh, to the apostles, speaking of Saul, and declared to them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken of him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Okay, so what is it? It's Barnabas and Saul now. So Barnabas is taking Paul by the hand. Look at Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek for Saul. Okay, 13 years after Saul was saved. Look in verse 30 of Acts chapter 11. Verse 30, which also uh, they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. There's Barnabas and Saul again. Look at Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verse 25. Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Okay, now look in verses, uh, our new chapter, chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Now there were in, in, in the church that was in Antioch uh, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon uh, that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with the Herod, uh, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul's at the bottom of the list. Barnabas is at the top. Look at verse 2. Uh, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. There's Barnabas again in the leadership role. Look down to verse 7. Uh, you see this very same thing. Who called for Barnabas and Saul. Talking to Sir Gaius Paulus. So you find uh, in the front end here in all these years, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. But when conflict arose, it set a massive difference in the direction and the leadership roles of the ministry. We've already read verse 13. It says Paul and his company now. All right? Paul and his company you know, Paul and Saul are the, are the same individuals. We know that. Saul, who is also called Paul, verse 9. Look in verse 46 of chapter 13, verse 46. It said, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should come, uh, have first been spoken unto you. So I'm saying all that. Conflict, guys, will produce a leader. And we must have men who are not afraid to fight, who are not afraid to stand up for the word of God, to get into the battle and to lead by way of the word of God. The conflict will always get you a new name. You know, Thomas, uh, Thomas J. Jackson received the name Stonewall in the Civil War in the midst of the battle. Luke expects us to know that Paul possessed both names from birth. One was Jewish, one was Roman. He was named Saul after the first king of Israel, Saul, who was also a Benjaminite. And Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin as well. But he was also born a Roman citizen, okay? He didn't earn his freedom. He was born a Roman citizen. Therefore, he received a Roman name, which was Paul. And we've covered that uh, in lessons in the past. We also saw in verse 9 that makes it very, very, very clear that it was Saul who was also called Paul. He didn't receive a new name. You know, he wasn't, oh, hey, he got saved and got it. There's a new name written in heaven. That stuff may sound good in, in uh, evangelism type of, of, of camp meetings and, and singing of him, but it ain't biblical, guys. Uh, he didn't get a new name. He always had the name. Saul, who also is called Paul. And from this point forward, that's the name that is solely, solely used. You understand? Uh, solely used. Uh, Paul is. The only change that occurred in this was the leadership role. Okay, the leadership role. So you see the character of Saul, who is Paul. You see the character of Barnabas. And then you see the character uh, of, of change in the midst of conflict. Here's what I want you to see, point number four this morning. Uh, we saw uh, uh, Saul and Barnabas. But I also want you to see something that is involved uh, in this day. Is the Spirit of God. 
the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost, guys, has two names, okay? has two names, just like we see with Paul, uh, Paul you know, Saul and Paul. The Old Testament, Spirit of God, worked among the Jews. It was the Spirit of God. The New Testament, Holy Ghost, uh, when, we begin to work among, well, when it, we begin to work among the Gentiles. So you see that word Holy Ghost be used when the work of God is moved out into the Gentiles. And, and again, as spooky as the Gentiles uh, were, they needed a ghost, if you will, to scare the devil out of them. And I, I, a little bit of a play there. But you had the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, but you got the Holy Ghost in the New Testament when that word got out into and among the Gentiles. The Holy Ghost inflicted the punishment upon Bar-Jesus. When Paul and the Holy Ghost ran into him, he experienced the side of the Holy Ghost that we haven't seen thus far in the ministry uh, here of the New Testament church. This is the judgmental side. Bar-Jesus stepped up onto the battlefield like he was going to do something, and he was unprepared. He was not ready to, to, to uh, battle like he was. And what happened was the Holy Ghost slapped his eyeballs out. Okay, He did not see the, the sweetness of the Holy Ghost, as many others seen. He did not see the beauty of the Holy Ghost. Uh, he didn't get to see. He missed the miracle, my friend. All he did was get slapped blind. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, and if you can get there hurriedly, I'm already there, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28 says, And God has sent some into the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. This is in the very early, 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 early stages of the church, the first few decades of the church, the transitional period of the church, when the Holy Ghost was working miracles, okay? Paul worked miracles. Bar-Jesus didn't get to see miracles, amen? To speak something into existence is what we're talking about. Acts 13 did not have the positive miracle that everyone is looking for, that everybody wants to see uh, the blind uh, receive their sight. It was the other way around. That child of the devil, that, that pervert, if you will, got slapped blind by the Holy Ghost when Paul pronounced it. More often than not, the Holy Ghost is closing an eye rather than opening one. And we need to understand that. It's all due to unbelief. It's all due to unbelief. Despite the problems received, in the Gentile world, God still wanted the Gentiles in his church. And he's working through this man here, these men, Paul and Barnabas. And he does some of these miracles, guys, in the opposite way that we expect miracles to happen. So we see in the midst of this conflict, we see Saul and Barnabas. We see the Spirit of God working thoroughly. But, beloved, we also see Satan. And we can never underestimate Satan. We can never overlook him. And we never forget who and what he is. He is, the only, he is only present to prevent and to pervert the word of God, to bring conflict into Paul's life. We see that in, in Genesis 3, verse 15, where that conflict happened. The enmity between the seed of the devil and the seed of the woman. Paul calls this, uh, this sorcerer, thou child of the devil. Jesus Christ uh, called those Pharisees. They said, you're of the... Of the uh, of, he called them the child of the devil. He says, you're of your father, the devil. He was a liar from the beginning, and, and a liar he will always be. He said, he, you guys are liars just like him. So I want you to think about this, guys. I want you to understand the conflict began. And, beloved, it will not end until time will be no more. And to understand that the conflict, you must get into the conflict of our lives. For what is our closing thoughts of the two religions colliding here? Uh, in Pamphylia, after they leave Paphos. Well, the wisest thing a man can do is desire to hear the word of God. So in Paphos, when these two religions collided, wisest man, the wisest thing a man can do is desire to hear the word of God. The deadliest thing a man can do is to attempt to turn one away from the word of God. 
smartest thing a man can do is to believe on the Word of God. The greatest thing a man can do is to inform men of the right ways of God. So status post this conflict, guys, after this conflict here in Pavis, after this conflict between Satan and, uh, and, and his, uh, his do boy, uh, Sir Gaius Paulus, and, and after all of these things that had transpired, the Gentiles are free, the Jews became blind, and, beloved, the church began to march on. So, beloved, I challenge you here today, trust and pray that God has moved in your life, and I hope and pray that it's been a blessing to you and the thoughts that you see uh, in, this, in, this, in this third lesson that we see when the gospel moving to the regions beyond. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity and time to be together this morning. We thank you for the technology that has enabled us, Father, to be able to still meet with one another and, and see one another in the way that you have uh, glorified your name and given us the guidance and direction that we need the most. Father, I love you and I thank you, and I pray that you bless every soul here this morning. Bless everyone there, God, that... Um, that has been part of this message, Father, part of this sermon, that will apply it into their heart and to their life. So, Father, I ask you now to please give us the direction, guidance, and grace, and mercy. Forgive us of where we have failed you, Lord, and give us the need and help of the moving of the Holy Spirit in our life. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. Well, beloved, I hope and pray that God has been good to you today in the preaching and teaching of his word. We're going to go to our final hymn of the morning. After that, we'll have a few closing announcements. So let's open our handles up today to Psalm 153, I Surrender All.